You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. Coming at you for week three, Lions versus Baltimore Ravens. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, as my co-host for First Bite, Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Oh, I'm feeling good. This is going to be a good episode. This is going to be a very good episode because we've got a very special guest, a good friend of the show, friend of the podcast, friend of the Twitch channel, and also the managing editor of Baltimore Beatdown. And I get to say this for the first time, writer for BaltimoreRavens.com, Kyle Barber is with us at Kyle P. Barber on Twitter. Kyle, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Jeremy. I'm happy to finally be able to hang out on your Twitch stream where you got viewers and oh and, come uh, on. it's gonna be a fun time <laughs> listen you guys you guys were bumping last night on, on sunday night after that big win over over the chiefs yeah it was uh it was far more entertaining uh than, than the typical streams but yeah it was a blast and uh i'm just happy to be hanging with you two average joes over here <laughs> oh, i'm schlubbing it up <laughs> I well, don't feel slighted. I don't feel slighted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're not official writers for the team site or anything, so you know. <laughs> uh, but let let's get into the Baltimore Ravens a little bit. They're they're one and one. Lions are zero and two. They're they're coming off a big win over the Chiefs, uh, like I said. But to me, like I'm looking at this team, and the first thing I noticed when I was I was you know doing my my preview here is the injuries. My God, the injuries are just everywhere. Fourteen guys on IR. There's a handful more that are on the injury report this week. Um, where are the Ravens hurting the most right now with all those injuries? And, and and tell us maybe a little bit about the guys that are replacing some of these other ones. Just everywhere, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not pretty. Just about at any position other than quarterback, thankfully. Uh, but really, the 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 most uh, injury-stricken part of the roster is running back. They lost J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill, all within, I believe, a 12-day span, which is just punishing. And they were all to season-ending injuries. It wasn't like one of them deal is dealing with like a high ankle sprain, and then another guy's like nicked up, and, and a third one got it. it. Like It was two ACL tears and an Achilles tear, so... All three of those guys are out, and now they've brought in Tyson Williams. They have Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell. They are just a backfield of veterans back there, and uh, Tyson Williams is the one leading the charge a little bit. But uh, other areas that are affected have been uh, tackle. Ronnie Stanley, after playing in week one, uh, was kind of shut down, it feels like. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who was playing right tackle in week one, has moved to the left tackle position. Played pretty well, too. Uh, we can talk about that a little later if you'd like. But 
Uh, Ronnie Stanley isn't back out there, and he was a, a premier left tackle in the NFL. Uh, you know, ev- just about every single season that he's been playing uh, up until he uh, suffered a season-ending ankle injury last November. Other areas include uh, cornerback Chris Westry uh, tore, I believe, something in his knee. And as well as that, uh, Marcus Peters, all-pro cornerback for the Ravens, suffered a season-ending ACL tear. That was one play either before or after Gus Edwards tore his ACL in practice. The Ravens went back-to-back season-ending injuries in practice and then shut it all down. Uh, Deshaun Elliott's coming off of a concussion in Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's truly like getting out of Kansas City with just a concussion to a player is looked at as a victory, which is a really grim way of looking at how the injury bug has really impacted the Ravens just two weeks into the season. Yeah, and let's stay on that offensive line for a second, Kyle, because, you know, to 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 escape Kansas City with a victory the way that the Ravens did shorthanded the way that they did. Is there a possibility that Ronnie Stanley shows up this week? Is there a possibility that that I mean, that would have a huge impact. But like the shuffling that the Ravens have done along their offensive line, does it seem like it's going to have lasting impacts um, on, on you know this game and forward or, or what? Um, as for right now, I'm not expecting Ronnie Stanley to be returning to practice. He didn't practice today. Uh, he was a part of the uh, did not participate in practice list uh, that the Ravens released for the injury report. I didn't see him out there when I was attending uh, uh, practice for uh, uh, media access for my media access. Um, I think that what they've done to reshuffle the offensive line is going to be more of a long term thing. And in a strange way, it's it worked against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Alejandro Villanueva had a really struggling matchup against Max Crosby and the Las Vegas Raiders. He he allowed, I believe, the third most pressures in the NFL. He had graded as the worst offensive lineman, I believe, for PFF after week one. It was really bad, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, Eastern Michigan stand back, up. Yeah, and for him to uh, come back and, um, <laughs> and, and play on the left side and instantly just look like he's back to his traditional self. And Patrick McCary, who is an undersized guard-center combo player typically, was playing right tackle. And, and you saw Lamar Jackson, I don't believe, had a pressure. I don't think the Chiefs' uh, defense uh, created a single pressure in Week 2. You know, the Ravens' offensive line stood out. You know, they, they showed that, hey, Ronnie Stanley's gone, but that doesn't mean that we're all folding on this situation. And and the the interior line, which was expected to be the weak point of this Ravens, uh, this offensive line so far, uh, looks like the strong point. It's been uh, I think that's going to be a last a more lasting impact than anything is, is seeing these guys step up and. And, you know, that traditional next man up call that we all hear, you know, uh, they're, they're responding to it well. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it was a whole different story in, in week one and week two. And, you know, this early in the season, everyone's trying to pick apart, you know, what's the real Ravens offensive line? And, and you know, obviously you also have to factor in the opponent right there. Like the Raiders D-line, as you mentioned, Max Crosby was, has been an absolute beast this year. Whereas, you know, the Chiefs, their pass rush, who knows what it's going to be like. It's, it's certainly not like the identity, but I think that could be a, a place where the Lions might be able to exploit them. You know, the, the Lions don't necessarily have a... a, a a huge pass rushing threat themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to definitely have a, an eye on that offensive line. Uh, you mentioned the running back stuff and I want to get into this and I almost jumped in right away because 
one thing that I love about the Baltimore Ravens is they they prove my one of my favorite things that I like to say, which is running backs don't matter. Uh, because it, I mean, like you said, that they've are, they're already essentially on their fourth, fifth, sixth. They're they're picking up guys whose prime was ten years ago. Oh, an amazing running attack! They you know averaging two hundred twenty yards a, a game so far this year. They were number one rushing team last year. Um, tell tell us a little bit more uh, about Tyson Williams, what he brings. It looks like he's their number one back, an undrafted guy, right? So a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. You throw him in this amazing Ravens offensive system, and it works. Yeah, so Tyson Williams uh, came out of nowhere for the unique opportunity that he tore his ACL in college at BYU, and so he kind of got shut down, and the Ravens signed him to a futures contract. So uh, he was unknown because he didn't play his senior year over at BYU and instead just kind of prepared to play in the NFL and, and get a shot at training camp. Um, I actually had Tyson Williams as the number three running back coming out of training camp. I thought that Justice Hill was on the chopping block uh, just because Tyson Williams looked better. Uh, uh, before Justice Hill suffered his Achilles injury, he was dealing with a nagging ankle injury too. So I thought the Ravens would be uh, interested in, in you know just doing an injury settlement and, and keeping Tyson Williams as their third back in, instead of... Uh, of Hill, but overall, he he's got this unique uh, blend and mix of downhill running. But he does have this one. He, he's like a jump cut back, where you know he's capable of the one cut and go. Uh, he has some agility, but it's not his prime ability. You know, he's not Darren Sproles. He's not zigging and zagging around the field and making a bunch of guys miss. Uh, but he's not physical and just this hammer of a running back like Gus Edwards would have been or Latavius Murray is for the Ravens right now. Instead, he's a little bit of a one jump cut back and uh, and makes some plays and makes guys miss and, and you know he'll he'll be physical at the point of attack, but he's not pursuing the physicality like we see these bigger running backs in the NFL do. Derrick Henry, I mean that guy will run over everybody, and uh, Gus Edwards would have been that physical kind of player, uh, and that's where Latavius Murray comes in as the number two running back there. You know, he's been the hammer to uh, the speed of Latavius Murray. It feels like the, a little bit like the Ravens downgraded from J.K. Dobbins to Tyson Williams and from Gus Edwards to Latavius Murray, where neither of those players have the burst that we saw from their counterparts, their injured counterparts coming into the season. You know, J.K. Dobbins looked like a man possessed when he was on the field. He was flying around all training camp and... And, you know, uh, I'm not a fantasy football guy, but when I was getting texts from all the friends and everything, they're like, should I draft J.K. Dobbins? I was like, this guy looks like he's going to tear up the gridiron. Like, he looks like a weapon right now. And the same with Gus Edwards. When people were like, does Gus Edwards have that ability, you know, with J.K. out? I was like, this guy's a, a threat for 100 yards a game. Like, I know these, I've watched these guys, and I'm not saying it out of bias. I'm saying it because the Ravens' rushing attack for the last three years has been the best in the NFL, including the best NFL season of all time. You know, they broke the uh, Patriots, I believe, 81 record where uh, they rushed for the most yards in a single season as a team. They're, they've been utterly dominant. Um, I agree with you on the point of the running backs don't matter, but I think there is a little bit of a caveat that, you, that you're utilizing the Ravens as your uh, team. They sure. just have they just have the best running quarterback in NFL history. There's just that caveat there. But other sure. than that, just a small one. <laughs> if Jared Goff is quarterbacking this team, I'm just hey. picking a quarterback out of thin air here, just yeah. grabbing yeah. a random one. Sure. 
You know, the um, guy who rushed for 44, think, I, 44 yards last last game, by the way. Lamar did like 107, man. There's a big difference. That's about the same. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 44, 107. What's the difference here? It's just the rushing attempts. If he had ran as many times as Lamar Jackson, I'm sure he would have had 107. You're right, man. You're right. (laughs) You know, we we made the difference here. (laughs) Yeah, we we made that joke on on the podcast where Jared Goff kind of looks like when he's at full speed, he looks like the guy who's running back to his car to get his wallet because he doesn't have it for his purchase at the farmer's market. Lamar Jackson has the ability to change direction right and left like four times in the matter of seven yards. It's insane. Um, it's but special, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 real different, man. He's he's different. But, um, you know, the Lions so far up to this point, they've really struggled stopping the run. You know, there was a little bit of improvement last week where they were able to to kind of stymie the Packers run attack and the Packers were more interested in throwing the ball anyways. But when it comes to stopping the Ravens offense, Kyle, you know, in the first game, they put up 27 points against the Raiders and then they put up 36 on the Chiefs. That's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, they can score points in bunches and they can typically do it on the ground. Is is there anything to the idea of making Lamar a thrower and that having success? I mean, there was so much made leading up to, you know, this game with the Lions about you know, playing two deep safeties on Aaron Rodgers. And that might be the recipe to to, you know, kind of stymie him. Is there a similar mode of, of defense when it comes to containing the Ravens' offense? Not necessarily, I'll say. I mean, of course, you can you can throw different looks at Lamar to silence him or, or slow him down in terms of if you have a bunch of speed at the linebacker and utilizing a dimebacker role as well, you know, the three safety looks that you have somebody down in the box and able to cover, um, those those can definitely be impactful. I'm not going to say that, but but this this feels like I'm almost shying into, like, I'm, I'm walking backward into the, is, is Lamar Jackson been figured out conversation, yeah. which, which utterly drives me insane. Um, <laughs> because the answer because, is yes, right? Because the answer is... <laughs> 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 All right, thank you very much for having me. It's been a good time. <laughs> no, Lamar Jackson can't be figured out. You watched as he like there's things that like there's a you know, I I figured out Lamar Jackson run a 4-2. Run a 4-2 <laughs> and then still be able to tackle him. You know what? My figure, you know how I figured out stopping Lamar Jackson? I'm going to try and hit him with my car. And like that's all there is to it, and I don't. There, and he has a better probability of juking me while I'm driving my car at him than anything. Like that's just it. Like there's figuring out a game plan for somebody, and then there's figuring out what they're going to invent on the football field. And that's what the Raiders were dealing with when they were in a 14-0 hole. Was like Max Crosby blew around the edge, almost had his hands on him. Three Raiders were surrounding him, and Lamar danced in the backfield for 7.8 seconds and then threw a dime to Marquise Hollywood Brown in the end zone. And you're going, well, we did everything. Like we truly like did everything we could, but get him. And that's just the result of the play. That's what Lamar Jackson can invent and operate on the football field. Yes, there are ways of slowing him down. If you have a bunch of speed on the edge, I think you can contain him if he's not going to hand it off up the middle. Uh, But that threat still lingers with the strength of the Ravens' offensive line, specifically their interior with Kevin Zeitler and Bradley Bozeman and uh, Ben Powers or Ben Cleveland, whichever of the Bens they're interested in running that day. 
So they have opportunities to make, uh, you know, players other than Lamar Jackson make plays. He has Sammy Watkins, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Hollywood Brown now. Like, they have legitimate threats that aren't just throw it to Mark Andrews and throw it to Hollywood and, like, hope that you can do the best. Like, Sammy Watkins has looked really good, and though you can't rely necessarily on his health because he's struggled through that through the last few seasons, he looks healthy enough to continue making plays, and he's been practicing well, and he's been really working on himself to this degree where I believe, you know, that it's sustainable. I mean, a lot of interesting stuff there. Obviously, when you said the word speedy linebacker, I think everyone's eyebrows kind of rose because it certainly seems like Derek Barnes, the, the Lions rookie fourth round pick, uh, is going to get a lot of playing time, especially with the, the, the recent news that Jamie Collins is on the trading block. Um, but obviously putting Derek Barnes on Lamar Jackson in his first career potential start kind of a handful for a guy and really kind of putting him in a position to maybe lose, but uh, definitely something to interesting look on. And I think the other thing you mentioned, Mark Andrews, you know, kind of off to a slow start, maybe based on expectations this year, but certainly a big threat in this game. And the Lions have not notoriously been a, a great team covering linebacker or covering tight ends. Alex Anzalone, I think has given up nine receptions on nine targets so far. And uh, even though uh, I almost called him Matt Patricia, even though Dan Campbell seems to like him a lot, uh, it doesn't really look good on the field. So um, a lot of interesting stuff there. I, the, the last thing, and I know this, this question is going to drive you quite crazy too. And maybe that's why I'm asking it, but like making Lamar Jackson a passer, how, how much concern is there? Is there that he, he can't pass the ball or he, he turns the ball over too much as a passer. Is, is that, is that a real thing? Or is that just something that, that people say nationally that drives the people in Baltimore? Absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's the national thing more than anything. But I mean, like his his 2019 season, he threw 36 touchdowns and I believe six interceptions. So yeah. it's not like he turned the ball over throwing a bunch of interceptions. Like they went 14 and two, and he threw 36 touchdowns. Like he was it was averaging like a touchdown every like 15 throws or something like that. It was it was something astronomical, and it was, yeah. and it's egregious. And pointing to that, pointing to his highs are also equal to pointing towards his lows. Where like he he throws too many interceptions sometimes. You know he he's pressing too hard in a KC game against a team that there he's he's never beaten. You know of of all the play all of all the teams that he's competed against. Uh, Kansas City has defeated him three times, and it was all this Mahomes talk and and just the way that it's. It's, you know, it, it, how it broke. Uh, this was a game that he was pressing really hard from the very first snap, trying to just do too much. And he even admitted it. He's like, yeah, I was absolutely doing too much. I was just trying to, to make something happen. And, and I think making him a thrower has not bode well, not boded well for teams like the Miami Dolphins, who uh, in week one, they were like, we just got to make him throw. And he threw five touchdown passes to open up that season. Um, against the Cleveland Browns. They're like, we just have to make him throw. And what did he do when he returned from a cramp? He threw a, like a 50-yard touchdown pass and hauled that one to the house. And the Ravens ended up winning the the you know NFL game of the year, uh, 47-42 or something like that. Like The Ravens are not fearful of making him a passer. Um, if you're going to utilize... Uh, your speedy linebacker to play spy on him instead of cover Mark Andrews, you know, that's a matchup that he's probably willing to accept. Uh, if you're going to not double Sammy Watkins or put safety help over the top, 
for for Marquise Brown and instead are utilizing more focus on Jackson that allows a, a you know a running back to to break off at a different point and and the, strictly assigning one guy or multiple guys to try and just cover Lamar Jackson is far easier said than done because that's going to leave gaps in your defense elsewhere that's hindering your ability at with 10 defenders instead of 11 out in the backfield are doing their traditional jobs, I would say. The Lions defense is screwed. Um, <laughs> I think that, we knew that before. I think we, we did, came into probably. this conversation. Maybe, maybe, uh, but but especially screwed. But it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how Derek Barnes changes things up at least a little bit. But with that, let's take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Ravens defense, which notoriously has been their strength. Maybe not so much this year. We'll see if that's true when we continue our conversation with Kyle Barber here on First Bite. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back here on First Bite with our good friend Kyle Barber of Baltimore Beatdown of BaltimoreRavens.com. So, so sort of, kind of BaltimoreRavens.com, right? Yeah, that's essentially it. I was saying sort of, kind of our friend. Oh, sort of, kind of our friend. (laughs) Um, We talked all about the Baltimore Ravens offense. Let's talk about their defense, which has, you know, been been one of the most stable. You know, defenses tend to be unstable from year to year. The Baltimore Ravens certainly buck that trend, but... Off to kind of a slow start. 29th in points allowed through two games, 23rd in DVOA. My question to you, Kyle, is, is there any real concern there? Or is it just, hey, we played the Chiefs. Hey, we played a Raiders team that's probably underrated. Um, we'll, we'll be fine. I think that really is my thought process. And, and the thought process of many is like, they're without Derek Wolf. They're without Marcus Peters. Like, they lost Marcus Peters and then like just had to get it together in a week. And, and just... 
figure things out and go from there. And then they lose Chris Westry right after week one. And that's the guy that they were like, they traded Sean Wade, a rookie fifth round pick. They just drafted two and a half months ago to the Patriots because they saw Chris Westry and they went, that guy's better like as an undrafted guy than we even got Sean Wade. Uh, Let's keep him. And that's why they sent uh, Sean Wade off to New England. And I think, uh, and and now they're losing him. And, and, And overall, it's also just, it's Patrick Mahomes carving you up regardless and the ravens did an excellent job of bottling up like specific players like tyreek hill at three catches for 14 yards but they have so many weapons as we know that they can make a third wide receiver and a fourth wide receiver look like number ones and number twos because that's the offense of andy reed with the perfect quarterback build for him in patrick mahomes all right but this team isn't perfect kyle Wait, where's the weakness? Uh, where's the weakness? <laughs> you you got to uh, give me something here. If, if I don't push you on this, I'm going to get people in, on YouTube saying, this guy thinks that the team's perfect. They're, they're not bad. Where, where's the, there's got to be a weakness here on defense, right? Maybe not on offense gonna, because they're a running behemoth. but They're, they're yeah. going to think you're a company man with the BaltimoreRavens.com. <laughs> That's yeah, what's no, happen. Um, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that this team is perfect. <laughs> um, uh, like I said, uh, cornerback is definitely an area of weakness. Um, Anthony Averett played very well, though, in the role. Like the Ravens' secondary is arguably the best secondary in the NFL in terms of depth. In terms of depth, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters were both All Pros two years ago. They're very talented. Anthony Averett is a former Alabama two-time champ who played opposite of Marlon Humphrey in college, and he was good enough to be a starting corner elsewhere. Not like a starting one All-Pro. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he was a starter worthy of playing elsewhere, and he was part of the reason he was assigned to cover um, Tyreek Hill on a lot of plays. So, like, that shows them. Chris Westry was on this team. Um, I think safety, though, if 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 you want me to transition from, from talking up the Ravens to uh, pointing out uh, deficiencies and flaws, is I think safety could be very well won. The Ravens have two safeties that are traditional and good at just about everything but like not talented and like supreme in any regard it's it's uh chuck clark and deshaun elliott i don't know if deshaun elliott's even going to be playing he's coming off of a concussion that we spoke about in the previous segment and that's going to be something to focus up on uh because who will be starting behind him brandon stevens who is a rookie who is a former running back turned uh cornerback turned safety in uh college to his his nfl days it's been pretty interesting his career that's called um, the reverse iguabuke but yeah <laughs> exactly and so uh going off of that uh linebacker uh is is something to be concerned about the ravens struggle with tight ends the only time they didn't struggle with tight ends was when they had <laughs> you guys his faces upon saying that is perfect oh you got our attention instead of you rambling look at that uh, but uh, Patrick Queen has struggled in coverage. Uh, both Darren Waller and Travis Kels. Uh, is it Kels or Kelsey? What do they pronounce? It, uh, it's apparently Kels. But it's Kels? Ke- okay. Yeah, everyone says Kelsey, but he like, he's still went- saying Kelsey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember him saying like, yeah, yeah, it's actually pronounced this way. Okay, so I just yeah. want to give persons, you know, the correct pronunciation on their name. So Travis Kels uh, both went over 100 yards and had a touchdown. Uh, it's a great thing that they're not playing any sort of talented uh, tight end. Oh, wait. Record Who stretch. are they playing? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Exactly. So uh, uh, line they they've been struggling to cover that. The only time they didn't uh, worry about tight ends was when they had Earl Thomas on the team, but we all know how that ended really poorly. Um, the pass rush was a lot more concerning before we saw that Adafe Owe the draft pick that they had at number 31 turned out to be a really big stud all of a sudden he had a sack in his first game against the Raiders and then he became the AFC defensive player of the week this week after forcing a fumble and recovering the fumble on Clyde Edwards lair and also being the guy that tackled Mahomes who into throwing his worst interception uh to Tavon Young like that was something that I, I like a week ago, I'd be talking about that pass rush still. Like, Adafi Owe had a sack, but I don't know how good he is. Like, no, he looks real deal, and I'm really impressed with this kid. So, uh, but they still have worries on the interior offensive line. Like, Calais Campbell isn't just throwing around bodies and, and making incredible plays every time. Like, we we would hope he still had kind of the gas for. He looks good, but he's nowhere near former Calais Campbell self. Well, so, so that's the question that I wanted to ask you, Kyle, is... You know, uh, according to to what we have in front of us here, the Ravens are still number one in blitz percentage and they're number four in pressure percentage. But their pass rush win rate is 24th, according to ESPN, and their pressure grade is 23rd. Is that an area of their defense where they're they're lacking a little bit in terms of being able to get home to the quarterback and, and you know, force that, that, that quarterback to, to make some ill time decisions? Yes, I will completely agree with that. You know, uh, in week one, they couldn't get to Derek Carr. It was really apathetic um, in terms of their pass rush. Uh, for all the, you know, glory that I've been given to Adafi Owe just a, a little bit ago, um, like, he wasn't consistently doing that. He's having these burst plays where, like, all of a sudden he's looking good for a play, and then he'll get pancake blocked the next, and he'll get sat down. Um, so he needs to be a more consistent player. But that's okay if he's a rookie and he's still doing those plays. That's okay for him. Like, it's all about expectations, right? Uh, and for a rookie in his first game, like, getting a sack is good. You know, that's just kind of how it is. But even if you lose a bunch of other snaps, uh, Justin Houston's looking all right. But yeah, the Ravens haven't consistently gotten pressure on quarterbacks. It's also really tough because uh, their first game, you know, like that's you could chalk that up to like game one jitters or just like not expecting to like go up against a Raiders team that, you know, came out the gates firing on all cylinders a lot better than they had expected. And then week two is Patrick Mahomes, who avoids pressure and makes magic out of, you know, any single throw possible. And, uh, uh, but overall, yes, like Ravens are struggling with pressure. Uh, we hope to see that change uh, moving forward. It's, it's an intriguing matchup, right? Because, you know, Lions offensive line is, has held up pretty well. They're, they're two games in pass protection. I think much better than, than a lot of people expected once Taylor Decker went out. Penny Sewell's obviously been, you know, the, the star of that. But I think this Ravens defense provides a unique challenge in that they're very attacking. You just mentioned, Ryan, the, the number one blitz rate. Um, Lions really haven't dealt with that. The Packers didn't send a lot of blitz until the second half, and it kind of worked in the second half last week. And then the 49ers are the kind of team that is just like, we think our four are going to beat you. So we're not, we're, we're not going to send pressure. This is going to be a much different challenge. And given the Lions, you know, youth on that offensive line, you have to wonder if, if you know, the Ravens' complicated looks might, might give them a little trouble. But, um, you know, so far so good with that offensive line. Um, speaking of the offensive line, they've also been great at run blocking. And the Lions are fourth in DVOA in, in run offense right now, even though the yardage numbers aren't up there because they've had to abandon the run in two straight games. How have the Ravens looked at defending the run? How's that interior defensive line 
And as someone in our chat asks, who is Frank Ragnow's, uh, what, whose lunch is Frank Ragnow going to eat this week? <laughs> uh, you know, the Ravens have been um, pretty stout against the run. I don't think that's an area that they've had to be too concerned about because uh, teams are opting to pass to their star tight ends on them instead. Uh, you know, like uh, we didn't see any crazy run plays from the uh, Raiders nor the Chiefs. The Chiefs run play turned into Adafi forcing a game winning fumble and, and recovering it. So that hasn't been a big concern. Uh, with that in mind, I think the Ravens are a really good run stuffing team. They have Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams, both notable against the run. And uh, the Ravens have a point of emphasis when it comes to stopping the run. Uh, Malik Harrison is quite a like a cliche run-stopping linebacker. He's this bigger, heavier, downhill running back that you can't ask to put in coverage against Travis Kels, which the Ravens strugglingly did a few times uh, against the Chiefs. But when there's a run coming at him, he's very quick with that cliche nose-to-the-football kind of running game. Um, Frank Ragnow, uh, I think, uh, is center, right? Center for the yep. Lions? Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Brandon Williams is who I would expect to be going up against him, and I think that's a formidable matchup for both sides. But Williams did not practice. He had a neck injury that he sustained against the Chiefs that kept him out about the last quarter and a half, and he did not practice today from what I can recollect. Um, but I think the Ravens do pretty are pretty adept against uh, running, uh, especially with Justin Banabike, Patrick Queen. You know, those guys are all really good. The Ravens are good against the run. It's just stopping the pass and tight end specifically that they really struggle with. All right, we're going to close out our podcast here with the thing that we always close it out with. It's our predictions. And the way we do our predictions, Kyle, if you haven't checked it out before, is we do the one thing we think we know. It doesn't have to be a score prediction. doesn't have to be a winner prediction. Just one thing you're sure of that's going to happen on Sunday. So we always start this with Ryan so that you can kind of get a basis of how it works. Ryan, what's the one thing you think you know about Lions-Ravens? All right, so this is going to be a little quick history lesson. So off air, I was talking to Jeremy about who has the most team rushing yards in a game, and you have to go all the way back to 1950, and it's the Giants against the Baltimore Colts. But little did I know that fourth in that stat is the 2020 Baltimore Ravens who put up 404 rushing yards against the Cincinnati Bengals on January 3rd of 2021. That's insane. A modern offense running for that many yards is just mind-blowing. I don't like where this is going, Ryan. I think that the Ravens are going to rush for at least 300 yards on Sunday. Oof. Oof. I don't think that's crazy to say. The disrespect to Derek Barnes. I will have none of it. He is one man. Ah, yes, because one rookie (laughs) in their first start is not a complete (laughs) trial by fire in covering Lamar Jackson. Yes, Jimmy. Uh, All right, Kyle. What's the one thing you think you know about Ravens-Lions? The one thing that I know about Ravens-Lions, I think uh, Justin Tucker is going to hit some field goals. (laughs) I think I think Tucker I think Tucker hits three field goals. 
I can be confident that he goes three for three. Uh, he does. He tends to perform pretty well against the uh, in in Ford Field. You know, he looks good. I almost had my my interview got rescheduled with him today. By the way, I was gonna ask him about it in the lead up to this. Oh, I'm so mad I didn't get an interview him this week. If if, if you guys it. aren't catching on here, Kyle is doing what we know as a troll job because he uh, first of all he's a huge kicker fan. He does like big research on kickers and why wouldn't you if Justin Tucker is your team's kicker but uh, he's also referring to a Monday night football game that we're not going to talk about anymore I do an annual NFL kicking crown video in which I talk about the top 10 kickers in NFL history and show why uh, like because I think just all-time kicking percentage isn't good enough to talk about like oh you like if Jeremy kicks 10 kicks from the 10 yard line and I kick 10 kicks from the 50 and Jeremy only kicks eight of 10 and I kick seven for 10, like I'm probably a better kicker going 70% when he goes 80% from the 10, like that's something. And Justin Tucker as is, is just like kicking from at least two yards back from everybody else that's within his range. But um, Jeremy, let me, let me, Swing it back to you. What is the one thing you know about? Well, Lions first Ravens? of all, I want to point out that you have openly admitted that the Lions are somehow going to force the the Ravens yeah, right? to three field goals, which I think is notable. <laughs> that would uh, be incredible. It's, it's be like be incredible. Minute, it's going to be like a two minute thing where like the Ravens are like, ah, stall drive. Justin, it's a 49. What do you think? Yeah, let's do this. And then like the Ravens get the ball back after a turnover and it's almost the end of the half again. It's all within like a short span and the Ravens just keep booting field goals. Jeremy, what's the one thing you think you know? DJ Hawkinson, 450 yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will stick with Hawkinson. I'll, I'll say 150 yards. Uh, set a career Whoa. high for career high day for TJ Hawkinson on Sunday. I like that. Spicy. There we go. And that is our predictions. That is our first bite preview with Kyle Barber. Kyle, give the people uh, your information, where they can find you, um, what sort of stuff maybe if, if people want to go over to Baltimore Beatdown this week, um, what sort of preview stuff that they might be interested in. Yeah, so definitely go check out BaltimoreBeatdown.com. I have a wonderful staff that like I truly do enjoy having uh, write and create content for us. Um, you know, uh, we have some film breakdowns that we do with Spencer. Uh, we have some smart analytical stuff from Vasily uh, Lerikos, uh, my uh, co-managing editor or deputy, whatever you want to call him. Um, and so our podcast is really fun too. If you want to look, listen to a little bit more shenanigans, it's not featuring me. It's Jake, Luke, and Spencer Schultz, and they have a great time. Uh, we're going to be having a player interview next week, which is always exciting to uh, land one of the. Uh, Baltimore Ravens players um, and my work uh, is really centering right now about getting this kicking article up because I typically do it in the preseason but I've just been slammed with absolutely everything else uh, Jake Luke L-O-U-Q-U-E for Nick the Greek 420 by the way <laughs> so there's that um, saw the comment wanted to correct it but uh, Baltimore beatdown's a great time and uh, it uh, doesn't quite have the community of Pride of Detroit but we got some good eggs in there. I like it. I like it. We we love you over here. Thank you for joining us, Kyle. Thank you for listening, everybody at home. We will be back with our uh, our, our game recap on Sunday night here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, probably be around 7 o'clock. 
uh, so that we can get you out in time for Sunday night football. But until then, until next time, I'm Jeremy. That's Ryan. That's Kyle. We'll talk to you later. It's chaos. Be kind. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.